0: Um, since we forgot to record a patreon ad I'll just uh, I'll just add ad lib something right here right now so Joe has something to use and and she'll be she'll react to it I'm sure um, but uh, listeners um, I'm sure you know this we have a uh, patreon here at what the hell is a pastor um, it would help if I knew the website for it Um Yes, yes, it is. Uh, You can visit us at patreon.com slash W-T-H-I-A-P. We've got two great patrons already. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Matt. And you can uh, join the God Squad by uh, becoming a patron as well. Um, Eventually, we'll throw up some different tiers for for giving. Um, uh, You can send us a DM. If you uh, have any ideas of special promotional content that you want from us, uh, and uh, we can make that happen. Um, But yeah, patreon.com slash WTHIAP. Thank you.
1: Pastor, a podcast about life in set-apart ministry. Each week we sit down to discuss our experiences and challenges in small-town parish ministry and in PhD work and ask others to join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we
0: can.
2: Listeners, hello. Joe is not with us today, but with with us today is, of course, Ian who is uh, taking up the co-host duties uh, with me? And I'm very grateful for that. And we have a special guest here on "What the Hell Is a Pastor?" With us today is Patrick. Uh, Patrick, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? You know we're we're doing our best.
0: I think doing, doing great. Doing thanks good. for thanks for coming on, um, Patrick. What we usually do in these kinds of situations when we have a guest is we. Uh, allow them to introduce themselves using uh, as much or as little detail as they like. Uh, so why don't you tell the listeners a bit about who you are and uh,
1: uh,
0: how you uh, got to where you are?
1: Um, sure. Um, well, my, my mom and my dad, um, and, then, <laughs> and then I was born. Um, uh, I uh, am a pastor uh, of a country uh, church, Disciples of Christ Church. Uh, I've worked in youth ministry for most of my adult career, um, and then um, found this kind of wonderful position where I am both the senior pastor and the youth pastor, um, which is why I kind of um, upgraded or downgraded to being the, <laughs> the, the the pastor of the church, depending on how you you look at that. Does, um, that does and... sound
0: a bit like a downward move, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> um and then uh uh i was uh i'm from the kansas city area uh was out in dc for seven years or so um and now i'm back uh uh, this church being north of kansas city um on the missouri side for those who are confused about kansas city geography um so um that's kind of a quick background diehard chiefs and royals fan um and So sad about last weekend, but, um, but used to it. So, um, used to the losing. That's what most of my sports fan life has been about. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely.
0: Um, so how is, uh, how is pastoring going? How is your, you've, how long have you been serving at this church?
1: So about eight, nine months, uh, May of last year. So whatever the math works out to be on that, um, And so all during the pandemic, which is also kind of the bizarre um, Mm -hmm. kind of situation is I I started after everything was all shut down um, and did the first month completely online and then have been doing some kind of hybrid thing since then. I did the parking lot services, um, bought the FM transmitter. I don't know if everybody's Mm -hmm. familiar with the FM transmitter that it's debated on whether it's uh, appropriate or not, and complies with FCC regulations um, or not, but um, I have, hopefully I have it not heard. I hold on. I have, I not, have not heard. I haven't heard that. Debate.
2: I haven't heard that controversy.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if it's true, but some people um, make comments to so that any use of those is breaking some sort of FCC law, whereas other people say as long as it's within a certain like half mile radius or whatever, then it's fine. So I don't know if that's true, but it's something I worry about in the back of my mind all the time is if the FCC is going to find us um, and, and come in and, and take our little transmitter. Um, but yeah, it's been strange. We did parking lot services all the way through um, the summer and into, I think through October maybe, and then November doing this kind of hybrid. So I, I do, I record an online service and put it up on our, our WordPress site. Um, and then I do um, a normal church service where there's probably, I don't know, 10, 15 folks indoors and then there's 15 uh 20 folks outdoors in the parking lot and then there's another 10 15 folks online um so i thought that like the 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 downgrade to senior pastor um was going to be a challenge and 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 have a learning curve but could not have predicted um the bizarre amounts of things that i would have to learn uh i thought it would just be about like buildings and facilities but i've learned a lot about video editing and recording mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. lighting and other nonsense that I never thought I would have to learn. Yeah. Uh,
0: ring lights were not part of the seminary uh, purchase list. No, no,
2: they were not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we talked about
2: that in different times, Patrick, on the podcast. We talk about how um, on one hand uh, the pandemic it exposes uh, blind spots in seminary education that we never would have thought we'd have to fill. Sure. Uh, But then on the other hand, uh, when we, when we need to feel better about ourselves, it exposes the fact that perhaps our generation is uniquely uh, capable (laughs) of doing this this work during the pandemic, Um, which I guess is good. I I guess, I guess that's good. Uh, So how, it, it, how big is the church are you like can you tell us a little bit about that are you the yeah. only staff person are you um, like, almost
1: uh we do have um uh we do have a, a guy um and his wife they kind of are a package deal that we've hired as a kind of interns kind of just very part-time um youth assistants um i don't know if they actually have an official title um, cause they were hired before I was there. Um, but, but they get paid basically just a monthly stipend, um, to help out with the, the youth group. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I am the only pastor. I think if everybody were there, um, who would be considered a regular, um, before the pandemic, we'd have about 50 to 60 folks. Um, and then there's another, I don't know, 40 or 50 folks associated with the church in some capacity. Uh, and then during right now, it's hard to tell, um, any given Sunday we'll have about 30, um, 25 to 30 that are physically there. Um, but it's also hard to count because some people who live next to the church, um, they stay at their house and listen through the radio that we have. Uh, and then other people just listen online. Um, so it's, it's bizarre. I don't know how many folks that, um, are are actively engaged um, uh, in it, but it's a um, and it's a small community. It's it's halfway between two cities. Kansas City is obviously a major city. Um, I think population of the metro area is over two million people. And then north of that, about an hour, is a smaller city town called Saint Joseph, which is I think a hundred thousand, maybe one hundred fifty thousand people. Um, and this this little town is like halfway in between the two. Um, it's, uh, the high school, middle school, I think is just one building. Um, otherwise they're right next to each other. I'm not sure I didn't get the layout cause I haven't gotten a tour cause the pandemic. Um, but I mean, there's, I think there's 600 kids K through 12, um, in the, the, the area. So it's, it's, um, it's rural, it's country, but it's not like remote country, um, And so it's this, uh, but I also have the bizarre kind of reality of the church has no internet service because of where it's located. You go three miles in any direction um, and there's fiber optic cable, one gigabyte speeds. Um, But our church is located in this weird like rural space of, yeah, there's no internet here. (laughs) Tough. Um, So that's the other thing that's been strange about doing the pandemic is everybody's doing these Zoom meetings and all of that. And we have no ability to stream from the church or do zoom from the church, anything online I have to do from home. Um, which is kind of why we've gone to the hybrid thing. Um, but it's also been weird to talk with colleagues because they're like, Oh, well we just do this. And I'm like, I don't have internet. So like, I can't do that. Um, and so it's a, um, and it's, it's a mix. The other thing I'd say about the church, just a little more detail is um, it's really a mix of, of folks. It's a kind of a, a large longtime generation I'm sure some of the families have been there, probably seven, eight, nine generations in that little town. Um, and then um, it's a we've got some kind of lifelong Democrats, some lifelong Republicans, some Trump supporters, some people who really don't want me to know, and they've made it clear, like they don't want me to know, and and, and kind of this this whole spectrum um, uh, where it's and, – and so that's also been kind of an interesting – um, learning curve, because most every church I've ever been in has either been conservative or progressive. Like it's, it's really most churches I've attended or served have really kind of come down on one side. Um, and so it's a little different to be in a church that is has deliberately chosen not to come down on a side. Um, and so it's, I don't know, it's gotten me thinking a lot about what does it mean to be a pastor? And, and what is my role? Um, and, and how do I minister to people, especially when I feel like the things they believe are the things that they, they advocate for in the public sphere are like (laughs) diametrically opposed to the things that I care about. Um, And so it's, I don't know, they're very friendly people who will help you out and give you the shirt off their back, all that kind of solid Midwestern kind of country church stuff. So it's a little bit about my current context.
2: Hey, thanks for sharing that and we understand i i i feel that uh that tension as well i uh, a couple of weeks ago i think ian joe and i had a really similar conversation to that you know as we tried to figure out what particularly now you know with with just how more intensely entwined um political stuff and and christian identity and christian nationalism and all that is like it it it's that question that you're having is one that I think is on all of our minds. Um, and we talked about how, you know, we, we there, for many of us, there's a sense in which we really want to be able to conceive of authentic Christian life that is publicly oriented, but isn't necessary. Sure. That, that is not That thats still authentic, but isn't, isn't necessarily, um, Oh gosh! Like, isn't necessarily one um, collection of of political orientations that could make up a party platform, right? Sure, and and that becomes increasingly more difficult. Yeah. No, oh, I. We don't have to make this about this, but I was thinking the other day. Well, I, I listened to uh, I, I listened to a political podcast that I really shouldn't listen to. <laughs> um, sure. It's one of those. It's where I'm just True. like,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm just like, God, why am I listening to this? Like, it just bothers me. Um, where, where once again, you know, you have that sense that you get from a lot of folks in the middle of, well, the real problem is we're not being bipartisan. And I'm like, well, no, that's not really the real problem. Like, yeah. like there is no middle ground between. You know what we know to be true is of happening on January sixth. You know, with with increasingly violent and increasingly christo fascists, increasingly you know all this bad stuff, and something else. There's no middle ground there, and so like coming together is becomes sort of morally reprehensible, and you don't really know what to make of that. And as Christians, it becomes it, it's, it's I think even more stark because well, some of these people are like jesus told me to try to kill mike pence you know (laughs) and then you're like probably not like like, i don't know what to do with that um i don't mean to make that about politics but i i know i know i have a sense of what you're saying for sure patrick that's interesting that's interesting
1: yeah well and it's kind of the question because when i when i saw um i think joe might have posted on facebook like what questions um, do you have, or, or right now, like my question is this question kind of around just, what is it like, what am I compromising, um, or not? And like, what does it mean to have convictions and hold convictions as a pastor? Um, and, and especially with things that, that are, that seem fairly clear cut, like, um, January 6th is still a, um, a conflict within the congregation on, on, with a lot of people, there's a lot of debate on what what did and didn't happen and who was responsible and all of that. So I don't really want to get into that that one in particular. But like, if we go back to like Charlottesville um, mm-hmm. as an example, right? Like, it's like yeah, there are two sides. One's the Nazis, um, and then the other the the people who are against the Nazis. It's like it's not really like like I feel like you have to take a stance. <laughs> like I don't know. There 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 is this this kind of sense of sometimes it is relatively clear-cut and and one-sided and then I was also just thinking about like well what do I want to be as a pastor do I want to be liberal or or conservative or in this kind of middle ground um, or whatever and I'm like I really want like a fourth way I know a lot of like people talk about well we need a third way and I'm like no I don't like the third way like I don't want to just split the difference of well, these people are over here and these people are over here. And so I want to split the difference and kind of go in the middle. Um, I'd rather like be over somewhere else where mm-hmm. where it's like we're not defining, and specifically as a pastor, we're not defining our Christianity by where we fit on the American political spectrum because it, that's what it feels like is we've already kind of decided um, we're liberal or conservative or we're, we're, we're somewhere in between or, or that. And that shapes kind of then our theology our ecclesiology our our way of being church um where i'm like shouldn't it be the other way around like didn't jesus predate america like i don't know Mm -hmm. like that seems like a a historical thing um maybe a historical fact i don't know um (laughs) (laughs)
0: that sounds that sounds fake to me
1: (laughs) i know right so so i don't know and it's 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 one of those where i feel like one of the things that seminary did not prepare me to deal with is like i feel like i was prepared to be right about things Um, Mm. like, I feel like I'm really Mm. good at being right. (laughs) And, and if I wanted to, to be like, here's why you are wrong and I am right. Um, but not to like navigate, like it it still, I feel like felt, feels like it comes from this kind of almost arrogant, like, this is how you deal with the people who are wrong Mm. Uh, kind of a thing rather than like, how do you navigate, um, the kind of the natural differences that people have. And and then how do you recognize where you might have blind spots, um, or you might be missing something? And and what is the difference between um, agreeing to disagree and holding to convictions? And then recognizing that I don't know everything, I don't see everything, um, and and um, and so I don't know. There's 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 and then I don't know. I could go on and on with all of the questions. That i have um about kind of this this role but um but so i don't know i'm i'm curious kind of as um because are are neither of you are in a pastoral position or ethan are you in a pastoral position right now i i just left my okay. pastoral position
2: this past summer but, so uh, like
1: yeah so no just
0: one, of, apparently no one in the what the hell is a pastor podcast
1: as a pastor yeah <laughs> right on. so so as people who are not going to get like brought before your board and chastised for making comments on the internet like <laughs> um, like i'm curious like your experience of these kind of places of of conviction versus compromise and 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 where you like felt you did well or poorly or mm. or do you have bitterness about some of it like Um, because I, I, like, I don't, um, like if the problem is that we're, we're in this deep conflict and divide, I do feel like this obligation to be engaged in how do we work through this conflict. Um, but I'm also just kind of curious your own experiences, um, uh, of, of that having worked in churches and worked with churches. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm just curious.
2: I can. I, I'll throw a couple ahead, of ahead, some of my experiences. Um, I think so. the The church that I served, I served a church for three years. Um, I actually currently live in Charlottesville right now, Patrick. I'm I'm okay. going back. I'm back in school. Um, that's why I left. Um, but but I served a church for three years, and the church I served um, was uh, had was an interesting mix of folks. Um, and I think that an, a, a, a good kind of story to speak to what you're asking uh, is about this church's sort of relationship with LGBTQ people. So w- when I had shown up, the gentleman that I had uh, replaced had been there for about seven years. He retired. And based on what different folks from the church said to me and what I know of this guy um he really spent his seven years really hammering home um you know the kind of evils of lgbtq inclusion and sure uh, that, that was just on his radar and um there were uh many families who kind of left over that who who were like i don't want you know i i have uh gay children nor or, or whatever I, I'm not interested in this I don't want to know anything about like I'm done and and uh, five or six families kind of left during that time which which, which distressed everybody like that that you know th- this is a I served a, a relatively rural town a central Pennsylvanian town yeah. um, and and it was a tight-knit community and, and these these folks left and uh, but there were still plenty of folks at the church who Um, stayed even though they disagreed and also stayed because they agreed. And when I showed up, one of the, one of the first questions that was kind of posed to me relatively formally actually. So like at, like an ad council meeting Hmm. was, um, you know, was not, what do you think of LGBTQ people? It was, are you going to be talking about LGBTQ people? you know you're going to be talking about that because we are we are so tired sure of hearing about anything like we're taught we're we it's there's a ton of damaging things at the time the choir director was openly gay and he had spent several years and he had grown up in that church and had spent several several years kind of getting harassed by the former pastor and, and even folks who didn't really like that he was openly gay remembered him as a kid and definitely did not like that did not like that he was being harassed and oh sure it was it was messy it was messy and and so i i had how i kind of overcame that patrick was i i made a deal essentially a deal with my congregation and i said well for the past seven years you folks haven't really heard from the gospels you haven't really heard from the apostle paul you haven't really heard from you know a lot of things and so the pulpit time the sermon time yeah um i will not be talking about lgbtq people um i and but i said to them but i was like but i'm no coward i would love to tell you what i think about this you know sure. and i will and i would love to try to convince you to be on my side about this but i will respect the the sermon time as a time you know for this context that needs to hear and engage with different things and that's what we did for 3 years you know i i there there were there were not a ton of what i would call like evangelicals that were at the church you know, who were very militantly anti-LGBTQ. But the couple that were there, like, like that, that I, I made sure to point out, you know, you you can have a problem with me that you can have a problem with what I believe that that's fine. But, but I have not used the pulpit to spread my false teachings, whatever that means, you know, I've not (laughs) done that, you know? (laughs) Right. And, and uh, that was sort of the, uh, of my entire time there, I, I think that that was that was probably the biggest like navigation and negotiation of stuff. And there and and like on one hand, I don't really regret it. Like, I think that there was good things that happened uh, when the 2019 General Conference of the Methodist Church started or was coming up. I had a lot of. Um, like scheduled events where where folks would come and I would talk them through the legislation and you know there there were lots of times you know in in Bible studies or in one on ones or whatever confirmation classes where I made it really clear you know I was like hey this is this is what I think and why I think it LGBTQ sure. people should absolutely be fully included in life of the church bing bang boom. Um, but, but that compromise I made was, you know, I tell myself I made that compromise uh, out of sort of pastoral care for, for folks at the church who were burned out, you know, and oh, sure. for, yeah, for, yeah. for seven years. And I think there's truth to that. But, but sometimes I think I, I made that compromise um, to make my first charge a little easier on myself. Um, which, which, and I think that there's, I think both things are true. Um, but I do know that that was successful. I do know that, that by deciding to do that, I still was able to have really important teaching and conversation moments with folks about it, you know, and, and I, and I hope that, um, you know, I hope that there's long lasting impact. Now, that being said, kudos to you for being a pastor during the November election, the whole, like, like, as I reflect on that, like, like I, I often say to Beth, my wife, I I often had said to her, man, I don't know what we would have done during all this because there, there was, there were plenty of militia types up in that area and mm-hmm. that, that would not have, you know, it would not have gone well. Um, and I don't know what I'd have said, uh, or how I'd have navigated that, but, but, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the big story for me as I think about your question.
0: Yeah. Uh, so listeners, of the pod will know that I've, uh, I've never been a pastor. Um, but I, uh, I played one on Sundays for, for two years. <laughs> um, when I was doing my, uh, field education, uh, my internship for seminary, it was a full-time internship. Um, and on Sundays, uh, I would robe up and I would, I would sit up in the chancel with the other pastors of the church, um, and lead prayers and lead children's messages and, uh, preach occasionally, um, and then uh, I finished that and then the my, my first job out of seminary as a uh, discipleship director for a church in uh, a mid-sized church in Northern Virginia also kind of had me uh, playing a pastor on Sundays uh, where yeah. I would robe up and sit in the chancel with the, the pastor, <clears throat> lead children's sermons. uh every week if i never have to lead another children's sermon again i i will be a a happy happy i feel that that in my bones (laughs) i i know i yes oh that's too bad those are the best (laughs) um joe joe loves the children's messages and she's so great with them but like it's uh, i don't i don't have i don't have the the education background uh the childhood education background to to do it um and I would, uh, I preached more often at that church while I was also running the youth group and uh, running the outreach service ministries of the congregation. Um, so I I kind of uh, was lucky enough that I didn't have like pastor, the title pastor, like weighing down on my shoulder or the the concerns of like, being a, the pastor of a congregation and, and walking with people, anytime I preached, I could basically be a, uh, it was like I was a guest preacher, almost. And uh, mm, sure. those who are guest preachers know that you can say whatever they want, uh, whatever you want in a, <laughs> when you're guest preaching, uh, because the, the pastor will deal with uh, any fallout. And like pastors can uh, leverage guest preachers effectively to like say the things that uh, to have their congregants start to hear the thing from the pulpit that um, if they were to say them from the pulpit would cause them to lose all credibility and authority as a pastor. Um, so <clears throat> I was able to preach a, uh, sermons that were quote political um and i do that i was able to do i'm able to do that in my current role uh when we still had sunday services regularly um i was able to to do that and the the thing that i i come back to two two things is um kind of the lesson that was hammered into me in seminary by uh, professors and certain ex-senior pastors of large churches in DC that shall remain unnamed um, is that um, <laughs> it's, it's important to, uh, you know, uh, it's better to be effective than it is to be right. Um, and yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but I think it's it's really easy to like, uh, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, bipartisanship and, and all of that. And so it's really easy to like make effectiveness, to make bipartisanship, to make that quote, radical third way middle uh, and end in and of itself rather than a means to the end. Um, and so pastors know their contexts um, even after one week <laughs> serving there. Um, sometimes it takes a little longer, uh, but like they know what what works, what doesn't. You've you, There's been the uh, interview processes, introduction processes in in a Methodist system. Um, and so the question is like, what do you want your out? What do you want the outcome to be like? How do you want your church to grow? And then how can we use the other things? How can we use a third way or a fourth way to like get to that desired outcome rather than making that, uh, Moderate, um, moderate ideology, moderate methods themselves—the, the, the, the ends—and um, so that's that's kind of the the thinking that I do on that. I also, um, my senior pastor um, has his Ph.D. in um, practical theology from Princeton. And um sure sure <laughs> uh and his dissertation was on um engaging youth through worship, specifically the specifically the sermonic element. Um and uh one of the, the stories that came about through his research uh or data points or trends is that uh youth Um, And this would have been in 2012-ish. So um, youth at that time were uh, like constantly, constantly, constantly dreaded the sermon and like always found the sermon the most uh, boring element of the worship service. Um, But at the same time, like if there ever was, if, if that youth were to ever have heard a sermon, um, or to have a particularly memorable worship experience, um, it kind of hung on and hinged on how well the sermon was. And like, that would be what they talked about is, uh, if they had a good worship service in mind, a good worship experience in mind, they talked about, man, that sermon was just great. Um, so, um, to have that, that element is, is a lot of, of, especially in the mainline Protestant tradition, um, where you as the pastor have 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes where at least in theory, like the congregation shuts up, and you say whatever you want. Uh, we've seen where that isn't always the case. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, um, I, I really value the, the sermon as a way of uh, using rhetoric to influence opinions and ultimately affect policy change. So kind of the opposite of what Ethan said.
1: <laughs> I understand
2: that. I, I, um, I value it too. I just, I, I used that, the sermon for, I'm sorry, Patrick. I have to no. defend myself from Ian now. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I value it too. I do. Right. I, I, don't, use yeah. it, I use it for other policy changes. Definitely. Definitely. You know, but, but I, I had shifted, you know, in my context. In my context, I just don't know how effective the sermon would have been as a policy change for that. Just, just, yeah, just because of where they were, how they were trained, how they were burned out, right. like, you know. And and instead, I, I I did other things. But no, I still value the sermon as a as a site for for transformation and a site for engagement. And... Yeah. All right, Patrick. I'm sorry. I, I'm done. <laughs> no,
1: that's fine. Um, you got to defend yourself against Ian. Um, well, I think the, the thing that a couple of things that have hit me kind of in this, this new place and, and, and I've had some, um, I mean, I, I, I came in with some assumptions, um, in part, cause I mean, the church I was at in DC always did mission work in, in central Appalachia. And, um, I grew up in the Midwest. So like there's, I, I had some kind of things that I was like, okay, I've learned, I know a little bit about rural areas and a little bit about rural ministry. And so I'm going to figure this out. Um, but one of the things that has really, um, especially with this, the, the conflicts and the divide that has really struck me is like in DC, um, if just the one mile from the, the metro station to the church, um, that shall not be named. Is that what we're calling it? Um, the church I served in DC. Just, just um,
0: That's se- Just the former senior pastor.
1: <laughs> is this um, is this
2: national or is this foundry? This is national. 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 Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like in the ma- the mile from from national by American University um, and the metro station, which I would kind of walk to to go home for m- most of my time. Um, there's like seven, eight churches, right? Um, and several of them are kind of like cookie cutter in a lot of ways, like the Episcopal yeah. Church basically does the same thing that the Methodist Church does, like they go to the same type of mission trips, the same kind, like, it's almost like we did mirror programming without ever interacting with, with each other. Um, and so like, and, and DC has such a transient population, I mean, people coming in and out, and there are people who are, who are lifelong Washingtonians and all that. But like one of the things that really hits me is like this, this church um, is in this town called New Market, um, which was, isn't incorporated. The, the, the actual town is Dearborn um, and it's on the west side of the highway, uh, New Market, and it's just the one church there on the east side of the highway are three churches in the town of Dearborn. And so this little community, um, which, which at one point had like, I think actual shops and a little, like it's now just the church and the homes there. Um, like, and then there's like a plant that's a mile down the road or something. But, um, like these people have been there forever and will be there forever, um, most likely. And so it's like, it's one thing that I feel like there's, there's a difference between at national, um, where one DC is politics all the time, all the time. <laughs> um, Definitely. and and you've got people working in the government and you've got people who are coming in and out um, and there's eight different churches that they could go to. I feel like it's a lot easier to just say whatever you think um, and, and push your political agenda, which I feel like um, some of the pastors that have served there, like more than um, more than teaching anything that's really about Jesus like they really were kind of just pushing the democratic platform um right and and so like i have all kinds of issues with that as well but like i feel like there's a lot more um i don't know if it's freedom or getting away with it but but it feels almost irresponsible in my context where it's like you have people who are lifelong democrats lifelong conservatives lifelong i don't vote and get involved um like people who, who have been there, like this church, their parents went to this church, their grandparents went to this church. They're going to be there, whether, whether I'm there, like three years or 30 years, they're still going to be there twice as long as I'm going to be there. Like I could spend the rest of my career pastoring at this church and most of the congregants will still have attended the church twice as long as I will have been there. Right. Like, like there's just this kind of this, this, we have to live with each other, um, that I think is both in some ways a beautiful thing. Like there's, you don't have the freedom of just, well, I'm just going to say whatever I want. And if you get mad, then go to the, go to the Presbyterian church. Like, right. Like that, that kind of attitude doesn't exist because it's like, no, we're going to be here and we're going to come to church and we're going to be church together. Um, and 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 the people clearly disagree with each other it's it's and and i think it's it's something that it's not hidden i mean they certainly don't bring it up (laughs) and they don't like like air the the dirty laundry in front of everybody but like there's they clearly know who who in the congregation they disagree with and and have clearly had arguments over potlucks or, or thanksgiving dinners or whatever else before um and so I don't know, there's there's this, I, I felt like in my time in DC and, and then with seminary, like there's very much this like um, kind of need to be woke and push um, for like this this kind of fourth way or whatever you want to call it. Um, but like, I feel like there's value lost in, in that attitude of, well, you're just gonna, you're gonna prophesy to the people and if they get mad tough. Whereas like here, it's like, I don't, I, I really like curious if in my seminary training and in, in some of my like early stages, if I had the mindset of you are, you are stuck with these people regardless, like, like how that would change my approach to ministry. Um, because it's certainly changing how I approach ministry now is it's rather than this, like I'm gonna push my view and, and consequences are consequences instead of that being being a little more like okay these are the people that that like god and i are in this church we're together it's a pandemic um like they were doing a pastor search during a pandemic i needed a, a church and and like we're all kind of a little bit different we we have some core kind of midwesternness which i think helps um and, and kind of a core love of scripture um which makes me feel like i don't fit in with my progressive colleagues but whatever um, <laughs> and uh um and uh but like i don't know and so there's there's this i feel like i'm in this weird place where my kind of deconstructionist crisis of faith at the moment is more along the lines of like how much of the wokeness is harmful or is it just kind of the approach to it and 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 then what does it what does it mean like like if we and and are, I are we allowed to use scripture on the podcast? Like, is that, is that?
0: I think that they might be is, a first.
1: Is this a first? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, not a first. It's not a first.
0: So like. like these godless this, heathen podcast people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's this passage in scripture I think about a lot these days. Is it's the first Corinthians 12, like the body of Christ. And the, the, the whole notion that like, that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you or the hand says the eye, I have no need of you. Like this idea that like, just because we are different doesn't mean that we can um, dismiss people. And just because we're different doesn't mean that we don't belong to the thing. Um, And so it's, um, and then there's other kind of, there's a a quote from a theologian that I heard in in a a class I took at Wesley, even though I didn't go there. Um, uh, just about, and I wish I could remember who it was, who, who, who was a theologian, but basically this idea of, of, we need to engage with young people, not because like we're dying out and desperate to continue, but because they are part of the body of Christ. And when we share in communion, if they're not there, then we're missing part of the body. Um, and it, I don't know. I think it's if like, like, what does it mean to be in our time of having such deep tension and conflict and then be like but then also have this kind of almost this mandate of well you need to be together but like where then then how do we do that cuz like i mean i think the the political discourse right now is like bipartisan everybody like let's just move on right like let's let's not talk about it and move on And so it's, it's a struggle to know, well, how do I, like, I don't think that's going to fix anything. (laughs) Um, Even if that's what I wanted to do, like just moving. I mean, things will just come back. So I don't know. I, I, that's, I've been thinking a lot about this kind of um, what is it? What is it? Obviously, what does it mean to be a pastor? But like, what is it that would actually work? Like, what is, what is being, Together um, and being stuck with each other really look like um, when we have such diametrically opposed views um, and uh, and and priorities and 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 um, uh, and all of that. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you you all have any kind of thoughts about that. But it's I don't know. It but it feels because I feel like it feels like a, I have to choose um, between um, kind of holding to my convictions and, and, and pushing how I see the gospel or this kind of constant negotiation around compromising, um, and, and allowing things to take root that I think are wrong. (laughs) And, And so I don't like, I I'm kind of a bit, I don't know. I feel like I need to talk to a lot of people about this to try and figure out like, what is it um, cause I mean, I feel like the thing I need to do is I need to write a book and create a podcast and push my view and become a public theologian and, and right. Um, but like, I don't know how much, I mean, I don't know if there needs to be another straight white guy out there telling the world how to be Christian, um, or not. I don't know. Maybe that's what the world needs. I don't know. So I'm just kind of curious, um, if any of that resonates or if, if you see things differently, um, Or if you're like, no, cut people loose. Um, Just kind of curious your reactions to that.
0: Um, I'll start. And um, because I I really like that Corinthians passage uh, that you mentioned uh, as well. And I've used it quite a bit in uh, lessons and preaching and uh, just in in thinking. And... I think it it presents a a great like I don't know if ethic is the right word um, a great way of living together, provided that you know both the both the hand and the eye are not uh, are are in agreement on like um, that yes the hand the hand has need of the eye and the eye has need of the hand. Um, but what what do we do uh, to, to kind of complicate the matter or muddy the waters further? Uh, what do we do when like the hand is, you know, uh, out there actively like punching the eye? <laughs> um, can we, are we supposed to tell the eye Look, you have need of the hand, uh, uh, or should we go to the hand and be like, cut this out, or uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to amputate something here. Um, and I think for so long, we've we've had this like in the in the church, in our politics, um, this sense of like false air of civility um where you know at the end of the day as long as we can all come together uh everything's gonna be okay um but like does the eye have need of the hand if the hand is is out there spreading q theories and retweeting uh mtg and madison cawthorn and all of that um
1: Sorry, is that Magic the Gathering?
0: I wish. She ruined it. <laughs> she ruined it. Uh, Marjorie yeah, Taylor Greene, that would be, that would be.
1: <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure.
2: Yeah. 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 If the hand was spreading Magic the Gathering, I'd be broke, I'd be more broke because I'd be spending all my money on it. <laughs>
0: um, so that, that's kind of my question of it. Um, and you end up usually, and it's it's usually the, the white, well-off liberals um who are more apt to like hold on to this like well we all just got to get along kind of a a feeling um in uh in joe's example uh, of her experience it the person who yelled at her wasn't a trump supporter (laughs) he he was the democrat of the congregation Mm. um and and didn't like that she was uh, saying the stuff that was more in line with his own political views. Um, So I don't know what to do with that. Um, Apart from constantly hammering in the, the message that bipartisanship that moderate uh moderation moderism i don't know what the the word is that get along to uh get along to get along is is not the is not the end in and of itself it's not that's not our our work as disciples that's not our work as as christians it's that's not supposed to be our work as just members of society like um all of that are ways to get to an end of justice of uh equality but like there is no there's no middle ground with with fascism and we've, we've talked about that we mentioned that earlier um you, you don't there are some things that you can't compromise because there are binaries and you can either be for the fascists or you can be against the fascists.
2: Yeah, it's a hard word. Uh, I agree with it. I think that when you start thinking really local, you know, which is, which is really what you're, I think where your heart is, Patrick, um, there is a dimension that I've experienced where, um, there's a dimension where I think that you can hold together um, all of these differing uh, think thoughts and political opinions and, and stuff like that only if the praxis is the same. Mm. And so here's what I mean by that. Um, I think that, that, Churches can be made up. Local churches can be made up of a wide variety of political opinions and a wide variety of of you know things like that. Um, but if these political opinions and social opinions and what have you um, uh, conflict with the practice of being together in Christian community and conflict with the practice of um, you know being being one in the holy spirit and there's there's lots of I, i'm not saying that, that even those statements are clear i'm not saying that but like i think there's a sense in which people know when it's when it's not the case sure you know even if people don't know exactly what it always looks like i think i think folks who are even a little bit serious about being in the church know when it isn't that know when we're not doing that um uh when that is broken when when practice in that way isn't together I think I think then that's when uh even locally you know things things need to happen you know we sure people need to be held accountable I, there, are, there is a decent amount of Trump supporters in the church I serve. There just were. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I did not want to be there for the the election. I did not want to have to 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 figure out how to navigate folks who were who were ready to do whatever they needed to do in order to stop the steal. Right. Right. Um, but but if those folks, those you know, the fo- folks who support fascist dictatorships or, or, or whatever. Um, If those folks were, were to, because of that, change their practice and say, oh, well, pastor or, or this person or this person, or this person is a Democrat, which means they are no longer in Christian community with me. They're no longer subject to, you know, all of the rules and and um, uh, things that that brothers and sisters in Christ are subject to, and I can do whatever I want to them and toss them out and, throw, and, and whatever. No, that's that's incorrect. That's not how it is. Baptism trumps everything else, you know. And and I'm pretty, you know, I think that's pretty important. Um, and so I, that's when I think from a local standpoint in particular, that's a way that I think you can, one can, um, uh, hold the line. Right. Sure. Like have your opinions. That's fine. Have your opinions, you know, and, and we can debate them. That, that's fine too. You know, whatever. And we're allowed to get angry with each other. Well, right. We can be angry with each other, but that, that, that's fine. But, uh, but just keep in mind that that like Christianity is is yes about belief. I love belief. <laughs> yes, it's about doctrine. I love doctrine. You know, I'm a nerd in that way. But it's it's firstly about practice. You know, it's firstly about seeing the face of Jesus in in each other's faces. And and practicing accordingly and if there is and 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 frankly any political economic social opinion that gets in the way of seeing the face of jesus in each other that needs to be that shit needs to be cut out right like like no that's that that's it i i don't care how strongly you feel about it you know that that's not that's not how it is what what like authority we have oh, oh, to uh, enforce that? I don't know. I often joke that in the Methodist Church, um, pastors are, are uh, in a unique place because we are given no actual authority. well, we're given we're, how about this How about this? We're given all the authority, meaning that if something bad happens, we get in trouble. We are given no power to enact that authority. And so sure. there's just no hope. There's no chance that that it works. We have to we have to play the long serpent in the garden of Eden game, where where we're, we're like, what if you did this, you know? And and in yeah. order to like not get in trouble. And so I don't know how to enact that other than with shame, which I used all the time when I was a pastor because that's the only tool in the arsenal is to, is to <laughs> be, and it is and you can laugh but I like I fully embrace that at this point like like (laughs) since I can't since I can't um um I can really only do two things since I can't threaten them with physical violence and I can't and (laughs) since and since I don't believe in an eternal hell you know and I can't and I can't say you're going to be tortured for all eternity by a god who claims to love you (laughs) you know like I can't I can't say that I either go with the attempting to call attempting to get them to see how beautiful God's kingdom is and say don't you want that isn't that great or I just go right for shame you know and I and I just shame them like wow your granddaughter must be so proud of you <laughs> I did that I did that wow. <laughs> like, wow
1: wow wow that's what'm gonna do <laughs> I I don't I I' I am almost speechless. <laughs> um, that's a certainly a tact I haven't tried yet. Um, I'm fine with hell, um, which is another thing that, <laughs> that makes me not quite as progressive. I believe in an way. impermanent hell. I believe in an impermanent
2: hell, and so I'm okay with, with talking about hellfire. I don't mind that, but I. I but that's besides the point. Keep going, Patrick. Yeah, I don't go. mean to. Uh,
1: no, 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 no. Um, and I, I also listen to a lot of Brene Brown, which, I mean, might be heresy. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, um, there's also this, like, because on the praxis point, I, I, I definitely agree that there's this, and one of the things I come back to frequently, um, and will say to any congregation re- repeatedly, is, is I, I keep hitting on not just the love your neighbor, but the specific passages about. Um, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, like really to try and, and push back against this notion that like the, the Democrats or the conservatives are the evil people who are going to ruin everything in the world and they're not true Christians, because as much as like I think the stereotype is that conservatives look at Democrats as these evil, sinful, Satan inspired, awful people. Um, I mean, there are plenty of people at, at National who looked at the conservatives as these backwoods um, sinful hicks they wouldn't say sinful they'd say like broken or, or whatever but like these these they're basically not christians like how could they why would they act this way like and so it's 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 weird to have that same kind of a dynamic play out in a different way even even among people who supposedly are these bleeding heart liberal snowflakes um still making the same kind of judgmental comments so i i don't um i, don't, I haven't tried shame I don't know if I will, Um, but, but it's also, I don't know. There's also this question of, of kind of my role. And then like, I apparently like most people are, are a little more certain of themselves, I guess. I don't know because like, there's, I, I struggle. Like there's some things I'm good on. Like Nazis are bad. Like I'm good with that. Right. Um, but it's also, and, and maybe it's not a struggle with that, but like one of the the dynamics that like, I, I don't know quite how to address is like, um, like there's, there's one of the issues like on my mind is a, a lot is kind of the immigration issue. Um, because the, while there, there are some immigrant communities kind of close or by to the church, like there's not a whole lot of interaction. Um, and there's not a whole lot of, of kind of, of exposure and connection, and and so, like there's there's some kind of a, the, the typical like immigrants are taking our jobs kind of mindset um, that I would like to address. But there's also just this reality of like, um, well, I, well, that's not the case. There's also just this like, a lot of people are struggling economically, and and um, farming is not what it used to be, and um, and there's a lot of people in the town that I think struggle to find. Um, at least the perception is is that it's it's hard to find kind of a career or a vocation um, or a way to ins meet, especially if they stay um, if they stay in the town. Now, it's close enough they can work in one of the cities, but I don't know, there's there's definitely this economic um, and class reality with some of the members of the congregation and definitely some of the members in town that it's like, like I feel like some of the, the stuff that I would like to get to, like immigration's on my list of things I would like to address at some point, um, just because there are immigrant communities close. And, and I, I feel like the scripture's clear, like we're to welcome the stranger as a foreigner. No, as a citizen, um, right? It's, it's there in the scriptures, right? So like certainly something I'd like to bring up, but there's also just this like, it, people are struggling to make ends meet and find housing or find food um, figure out work and, and dealing with all these other issues. And, and, and then they're dealing with, some are dealing with the effects of the opioid crisis and other things. And it's just like in the midst of cancer diagnoses, a child who has a drug addiction, um, loss of employment um, or loss of work, like, like in the midst of all of this, like am I the pastor going to get up and be like, you need to rethink your immigration thoughts. <laughs> and, and like, and so that—that's the other dynamic. There is, I feel like, um, it's like I struggle with that. Like me as a pastor having compassion for my congregation, I feel like I set aside some of these kind of um, social holiness issues um, to use a term that might be more palatable um, uh, to some folks. Like, and so it's—I don't know—it's—it's it's this. Um, and especially being, I'm not even a year into the pastor. Now, maybe if I'm here five years, I'll feel more comfortable, um, shaming people, but, but it's, it's, it's kind of this like, yeah, I don't I, like, I don't even, there's days where I'm like, I don't even know what my job is with the sermon. Like, and so like there, I do have like a default of, well, I'm going to pick a scripture passage and we're going to teach what's in the scripture passage and, and kind of almost go a little old school exegetical preaching. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. There's, I feel, um, in, in some ways, I feel a little bit lost into, like, I, I've never heard anyone who pushes the, the the kind of social gospel, social justice, social holiness, all that. No one's really, like, told me, like, how do I do that when my congregation members are going through chemo, just lost their child? Like, like... How do I like how do I be pastoral in these really hard things and also like move the needle on our we need to be kinder to immigrants like kind of a thing. And so um, so I don't know I, that like I, I, I feel very much um, unprepared and mm. as to like, yeah, I have these deep convictions and, and there's a couple of these issues I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, I have been trying to figure out, um, and work on how can I as a white person help m- move the needle on race issues since like 2005. Um, and I'm not good at it, <laughs> but, like, but I've been trying for like 16 years. Right. So like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of, um, I mean, I, I'm in, in a lot of ways, I'm just like fishing for advice. Cause I mean, it's, I feel like the, the examples I see are people who don't talk about it at all as a way of kind of living through the the conflict in their congregation, or is the kind of, we're going to push hard on our, our political stance, um, whether that's build a wall and kick all the immigrants out or whether that's open the borders and let everybody in and, and whatever else, like the political side of it is. And so, I don't know, I'm curious if, if you all have any thoughts, ideas, and, or if you've seen anybody like do, manage this well, like, um, Cause the, the other piece of it, and, and I have no idea how long the podcast normally is. So I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but, um, but like the other piece of it is like, there feels like this, like this thing that feels a little gross to me about like, like uh, me as a kind of a more progressive pastor coming into a church. That's kind of a mix of folks. And then like, like my goal is to force them into my progressive ways. Like it, there's just this, like, like I'm use, using their congregation as a means to an end to push my view or my agenda or that feels almost colonialist. And mm-hmm. and, and, I'm, and so I'm just like, I don't even know what to do anymore. <laughs> like, like there's very much this sense of like, of course I'm gonna default to like love your neighbor and love your enemies and, and, and that. Cause I'm like, I don't know what else to do because I feel like I've got all of these ideas on how to be right but like, no, but I don't know how to like, it's ironic to have a master's degree in pastoring. And then I'm sitting here like, what is this? My 12th year in church ministry. And I'm like, I don't know how to pastor anymore. (laughs) I don't know how to do this. Um, And and in a faithful, meaningful way, this is, and it's not like I'm trying to, people please or 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 whatever it's just like i really like am at a loss as to to how to be like how to ethically live out the the call of being a pastor Hmm. um with all of these different things anyways so that's a lot (laughs) but would love any help i don't know if there's a hotline or, or something
2: yeah that'd be nice um, I'll, I have one I'll say one thing and then Ian I, I maybe you can say stuff and maybe wrap us up because we, we do like to keep it close to an hour but oh, we can sir. even we can even pick this up we, we do a mini sode that we try to record oh, okay. that's like 30 or 40 minutes after that and so we can even continue this conversation or we can pick something different um, my, my two thoughts that are really briefly that are really brief are uh, I think White folks like us, Patrick, have uh, a, a a disease, and the disease is that we are trained to want to be right and not to be good. Hmm. And so, like, if we, uh, yeah, we, we, and and I think I think folks that are really liberal and progressive, um, that that manifests in this kind of, um, it manifests in a couple of ways one way it manifests is like sitting and watching white folks try to out liberal each other, like, and try to like, you know, try to out each other yeah. to the point where they say really weird things, you know, like, like uh, uh, I was once in a, in a Greek class and seminary where uh, we were just sort of having a talk. We weren't even, it was the, we were, it was on break. And somebody, uh, I, it's, I said something about reading a womanist, like, because I was like I was like yeah I'm reading this womanist theologian I think she's really cool and and somebody there interrupted me and said oh oh a white person she said oh we don't say womanism anymore we say we say intersectional feminism now <laughs> and and our professor uh Dr. Shively Smith who is black says no we don't <laughs> <laughs> we say we say womanism <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> And like yeah. and, and it's just it's just weird. So I think that that, that desire to be right rather than to be good mm. is as I think kind of really embedded in us. And I think that's one sure. way it manifests. And I think another way it manifests is through like paralysis, is like through us because yeah. I've experienced I think a lot of what you're describing, Patrick, as well, where I go, What do I do? You know, like like how, how can I how can I um you know do this correctly? I think those are correct. I think that's a good thing. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing to think about, but I think that, I think it, it paralyzes us sometimes from, from just doing something good, like in doing, doing good things. And, and because we're afraid, I'll speak for myself because I am, I am often afraid of, of being uh, wrong, you know, and, and sure. Yeah. And, and doing, doing it wrong. Um, so that's kind of one thought. A bit of practical advice is is that I have that I've experienced is decentering the sermon as sort of the thing that um, your ministry wraps around. Sure. Um, I think the sermon is good and fine and effective, and I think I think it's more effective for some people than for others. You know, I uh, people who are more geared towards a lecture style. Of learning, I think folks like that. I, I like lectures, um, and so, but at the same time, I also hate listening to sermons. But but that's, I think, a an occupational hazard. Um, so more more than anything else. But I think that when when I started to decenter the sermon as as sort of the primary way I was a pastor, uh, I was able to see the sermon. As, as serving as a tool for making my ministry uh, effective uh, in terms of like, I could be an effective, uh, like you're describing, I could be an effective pastoral presence to suffering people by using this, but by, by rather than thinking of the sermon as the kind of the moment where I've got I've to really make it right. You know, I've got to really do it like I've got to I've got to hit that I am the prophet Jeremiah you know I've got to hit that moment in the sermon rather than say rather than think that I was like no I don't I don't have to do that at all I actually like the sermon can just be this 15 minute moment where you know I really sense you know I really sense that we're really struggling with death today Let, let's talk about death you know and then because I've decentered the sermon I I didn't have to I didn't have to feel like I was sacrificing a conviction because I can play out my desire to see my community more racially have be a community of more racial justice in a hundred other ways. And it didn't have to be at the sermon. It could be through uh, community organizing. It could be through bi- a Bible study where we, where we sit and talk about X, Y, Z thing. It could be by reading cross and the lynching tree with a book group, you know, like, sure as things like that and 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 it took a it takes pressure off me it it took pressure off me to to make the sermon to to you know all about that all the time uh but it also helped me see um all of the pieces all the things i do as tools serving the job right serving the vocation and not like and not like um you know, I'm I'm inhabiting the office of the preacher. What does the preacher do? Well, the preacher, the preacher uh, thunders away like Malcolm X. You know, the preacher thunders away, like sure. And there might be times where you have to do that, but but all in service to what you're supposed to be doing. You know, and and if what you're supposed to be doing is is loving a really scared and broken congregation then i let the sermon serve that you know and and if what you're supposed to be doing is promoting a, a, a more socially holy congregation um sometimes the sermon does not serve that mission sometimes it doesn't sometimes it can't um what because well it's not terribly effective at it that right now or there are folks who really can't hear it in those ways, um, but there are lots of other you know, avenues as a pastor, if you decenter the sermon to, to serve and to, to kind of live into that mission, right? That, that's something that I've, I've noticed has been really helpful for me at least. Ian, what's the right answer?
0: I don't know if I can if I can give the right answer. Uh I have a lot of thoughts um that, you know, aren't even aren't even a mini length of of stuff. Um they could do a whole other episode on whiteness and some of the stuff I've been thinking over the past week. Um but um when you were talking earlier, Ethan, about um, the, the local contexts and thinking locally, um, something clicked in me. And um, also, when Patrick was talking about being in D.C. for far too long, although I love D.C. and I want to go back, um, <laughs> um, that you know, everyone thinks uh, everything is politics all the time. Uh, yes, everything is is politics all the time, but. Um, for a couple months, I've been trying to come up with like the X has kind of hijacked our political imagination. Um, and something in this conversation uh, today made me realize that, that, that X is, um, legislation has, uh, hijacked our political imagination um, where especially on the left um, you talk about the fight for for $15 minimum wage um, which started 10 years ago and really the minimum wage should be $20 an hour right now but like the minimum wage itself is not the the end goal, right? It would be great if we could live in a society that didn't need a minimum wage, where sure, where everyone uh, earned a living, uh, had enough money from their from their labor, or or just everyone could just exist uh, without uh, feeling the crushes of uh, poverty, um, and the way we do. The way we do politics in our country, um, and the way that that has trickled down to our communities, is that everything we do, we're thinking uh, up at the top. Like, okay, get get some legislation passed, and everything will be fine. Get the get the right president in there, and all of our problems will be fixed. When actually, they're like our, our liberation isn't going to come through liberation. Uh, our, sorry, our liberation is not going to come through legislation. Our liberation is not going to come through the, the right president or the right governor or the right Senator, representative, legislator, council person, judge, like that's not where our liberation is going to come. I think we can certainly advocate for legislative, uh, Uh, agendas, legislative agendas, Um, but I have a a story to share uh, that uh, the last church I served at would tell about itself, Um, and it was a church that was, uh, it's an old Methodist Episcopal Church, South Church, um, uh, and at the the turn of the 20th century, uh, in this small northern Virginia uh, town that was becoming a city um a bar was uh gonna be put into the the town limits not too far away from the church and so what the what the women of this church did because they were good Methodist temperance uh people uh was they would have their weekly prayer meeting and then they would go and like picket outside of this bar uh until the bar closed and like the the bar didn't exist anymore, they didn't do that through uh, passing the right legislation or advocating for the city council to uh, not let this bar exist. Um, they they used uh, what Ethan was was talking about earlier. They used shame to be like, there shouldn't be a bar here, um, and I think we can. I think the church uh, and churches are kind of in a unique position to be able to to do that for their communities. And it's something that the the Black church has done uh, a lot uh, and very effectively um, throughout the years. But being invested in your local community, seeing where the local problems are and being able to identify, like, what is the root of that problem? If you have uh, the the narrative, the, the the predominant narrative out there surrounding the opioid opioid crisis is that, well, you just have a bunch of people who made really bad choices um, and got lazy, and they got addicted. And that narrative conveniently removes the blame from the the real source being the the drug companies, the the big pharmaceutical companies. Um, And we can, as the church, like name and speak into existence the, the, the counter narrative that tells the truth about our problems. Why are our congregants dying from COVID? Why are we all tired from COVID? Uh, Well, because we live in a capitalist society where all of our worth comes from the work that we do and everything that we like, our way of surviving is through working and uh, we gotta therefore keep the economy going when, that's not what would stop if we had shut down the country for four to six weeks and like taken that economic hit and all insured through through mutual aid, through um, being in solidarity with each other that uh, people didn't lose their homes people weren't evicted um, or their houses weren't foreclosed on or they could have enough to eat if we did that last March rather than whatever the hell it was we did, like we wouldn't be in this situation right now. And, um, so I think Nate, by, by being able to shine a light on and speak the truth about the source, the real source of like all of these social ills, um, and where we as a community can direct our efforts, um, doesn't have to it doesn't have to be like call your representatives to pass the $15 minimum wage it can be hey you're a business person and why are you uh you you own a local business and why are you um using uh, exploiting the labor of undocumented uh workers and paying them next to nothing because you know they'll take it otherwise you could deport them get them deported like Let's let's have a conversation about about that. And yeah, yeah, that's. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that is the right answer, but it is certainly an answer. And because I am the the not white person in the this this meeting, I will decide (laughs) that that is the last answer. And you win.
2: (laughs) It's happening, Patrick. It's happening. We all knew it happened. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump it. told us this was going to happen.
0: This, is it. Oh, this is it. This is it. This is it. We'll close out the episode for today. Listeners, this has been another episode of What the Hell is a Pastor? I am Ian. I'm here with Ethan and Patrick, and we will see you next time. Listeners, this has been another episode of "What the Hell Is a Pastor?" I am e- uh, I am Ian. <laughs> I almost did it. I almost did it. I almost did it. <laughs>